0: Howdy, folks. I'm fixing to tell y'all about Texas, nicknamed the Lone Star State. I'm particularly fond of these. I pulled them out of a place on Midgard called Texas. Don't mess with Texas. That's the message. I'm Walker, and I'm Texas Ranger. Texas? I mean, anything for Salinas. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Texas Slinged for Crazy, This week's episode is on Terry Lee Hoffman, cult leader. So we're going to start off by just letting you know that officially Hoffman was never charged with any of the crimes associated with this. Um, She, they just could not find enough information. So a lot of this is speculation. I've done a lot of research for this episode, which is why it's going up on a Saturday night. Um, I will share all of my resources for you But I do want to put that up at the beginning just to kind of protect myself. You know, typical, I do a free podcast stuff. All right. So Terry Lee Hoffman founded a religious movement and business in Dallas called Consciousness Development of Body, Mind, and Soul. Sounds really new age, right? To thousands, she was the teacher of a correspondence course on consciousness. And to those in Dallas, she was a face-to-face teacher. For others, she was considered to be responsible for countless deaths, and many losing their money to a cult. Terry didn't have an easy upbringing. Growing up in Fort Stockton, Texas, she picked cotton in the summer, and if any of y'all have been to Texas in the summer, you know that's no fun. Per her own story, at the age of four, she stated that she was taking a break under a shade tree when she was visited by three men in glistening robes who told her that she could be anything, and that she was a special child of God. These men couldn't be seen by just anyone, after all. Or anyone else things didn't exactly go great from there her mom died from tuberculosis and she ended up in a lutheran orphanage in round rock near austin from her story she ended up taking time to speak with a german nun who talked to her about the elements and a spiritual realm where she could gather all the information that ever existed or would ever exist called the akashic records i should mention that this nun was a vision not an actual nun from the orphanage She found out about the idea of reincarnation and started imagining that her tormentors were going to be reincarnated with a lot to pay for. Pretty soon, Terry started to believe she was an actual reincarnation of St. Teresa of Avila. She was adopted by a Dallas couple and was given a new name, Terry Lee Benson. She went to school and started to live a very normal life. She was young, too young, when she met a truck driver named John Wilder. She was in junior high when she met him. At 15, Terry, Lee, and John went to Durant, Oklahoma to get married. That was the closest place to Dallas. She could get married being a month into the age of 15. They had two kids and settled into domesticity, but Terry wanted to be much more. In 1954, she started meeting with friends to discuss metaphysics, meditation, and the nature of life, the universe, and everything. She started reading about hypnotism and started associating with positive thinking groups, and pretty soon she was talking to the bored and wealthy housewives of the Brookhaven Country Club about the mystical. She gathered followers, she talked to high school students, and she was becoming a messenger of God. In the 1960s, Terry Lee began to tell people about how she'd helped a young man with a serious drug habit kick it with just meditation and prayer. She started teaching meditation classes and got a lot of followers out of that high school group. And you know, the 1960s in the US were a time of chaos and thus self-discovery. Consciousness groups, yoga, and all that new age stuff were big business. Terry seemed pretty innocuous as far as her shared beliefs went initially. She was supposedly special because she claimed she would be able to see the past and the future, travel outside of her body, talk to the dead, and provide protection from cancer and car accidents. There's multiple stories of her telling her followers they have to meet with her right away and their friend is in danger and that they need to do meditation. And then as soon as they'd get a message that this person's like best friend made it home safe for somebody to see, it worked. We protected them from getting into an accident. But here's the thing. The opposite of her teachings were true as well. Per her written courses, death wasn't that big of a deal and if you died a noble death, you came back in a body that you chose and a life you wanted. People who were suffering were just paying off karmic debt. Oh, and there was a lot of angel talk. She told her followers that the angel Michael was in charge of fire, Raphael air, Gabriel water, and Ariel earth, and that they'd protect her followers. She would do meditations where she acted like a tour guide to temples of the higher realms and encouraged her students to come up with their own descriptions, all of which she would passionately agree to and say, Oh, I see that too, while they were doing meditations. One time she told her students that they needed to help guide deceased musician Jimi Hendrix to a higher plane. She told many believers that they were reincarnations of famous people, often reciting information found in easily accessible biographies. Her theatricality went over well for the most part, but she ended up telling more than one couple to break up because they weren't quote-unquote soulmates and people followed these instructions. People began to give Terry Hefty love gifts of cash. For some, there was, you know, like, the cost was pretty much more than they could actually afford. Followers gave her jewelry and begged her to take it from them. After all, Terry Lee had told them that precious stones helped protect her from darkness. She was good with people and intuitive, making it very easy for her to prey on followers' guilt and worry. When her son dislocated his finger, she wouldn't take him to the hospital. She advised that she would merely meditate, and his finger would go back into place. (laughs) In December 1970, she filed for divorce from her husband, but it wasn't much too longer that she was taken to Parkland Hospital for a psych evaluation. Her husband and mother thought something was very off about Terry Lee and getting worse. Still, the doctors declared she was fine and released her back to the general public, and the divorce was finalized the next year. She remarried very quickly to Glenn Cooley, a man 13 years her junior, just a few months later. Cooley had been one of her students. Terry Lee had a self-confessed problem with spending. In short, while her movement had officially become an organization, she would funnel the money into her personal bank account. She would even later admit to this accidentally on the witness stand. Pretty soon, her work was starting to get serious. Each week, Terry Lee's followers would meet up to do mental battles where they fought against what were called Black Lords, on various planes of existence in what she called lodges, very Twin Peaks y'all. To protect yourself you had to have powerful gems, and the hope was to join God and the Twelve Masters in the spiritual realm through reincarnation. Glenn and Terry had just the thing after all, they had started to make jewelry and sell it to followers advising it was spiritually charged, and would protect them from harm from the Black Lords. They said that the most expensive pieces were the most effective. Basically, if you got a cheaper version, well, you might die, but at least it wouldn't be so bad when you were reincarnated. But if you got that really honking big one, you'd definitely be safe. Glenn and Terry ended up getting divorced, and shortly thereafter, less than a week, he supposedly committed suicide. This was suspicious as pretty quickly thereafter, Terry Lee showed up with a note that Glenn supposedly had written and left in her personal safe, leaving her all of his worldly possessions and the jewelry business. Terry Lee told her followers that Glenn's blood had been poisoned by the Black Lords and that everyone needed to have their blood drawn now to help pull out that bad blood. They would sterilize syringes and draw blood from each other at meetings about the amount that you would get through a regular blood test so we're not talking like quarts but still not exactly the sanest thing terry remarried pretty quickly to ben johnson that didn't last long her next marriage was to don hoffman where we get her most popular name because that was when she got in trouble about this time people started to think that the blood test thing was a bit creepy, and they started to leave the consciousness development group. She went from having a lot of followers to about 24. She told the remaining members that she was taking on all of their pain and suffering from the Black Lord so that they would be protected. Some people were all in, including two women who signed over their wills to the leader. Well, I should clarify that. One of those women was Terry's right hand, Sandy Cleaver. The other was her 14 year old daughter Devra, who actually thought Terry. Was was really creepy and weird devereux right after writing this will died in a freak rafting accident in a quiet lagoon in hawaii that supposedly had no waves and just conveniently enough there were no witnesses except sandy who was supposedly knocked unconscious and then awoke to find her daughter missing not too soon after one of her followers sandy <laughs> and a friend were both had written wills to give all funds to terry drove off a cliff in colorado There were no skid marks, no signs of trying to stop the vehicle. Two other followers put bullets in their mouths. Someone from the Chicago branch died of a drug overdose. In 1985, after some of the heat had died down, she came back on the scene full force and once again was puddling jewelry, her meditation work and acupressure to unblock dangerous energies so that they could leave the body. She started calling herself a financial advisor and a life coach. Her former followers who came back got serious in this new version and they were now following new courses. She was back on her BS. She ended up convincing her new right hand, a woman named Robin, that she had a soulmate who was an invisible CIA agent. Robin wrote full journals of information about her invisible lover. In 1987, Robin started to lose it and said that she was being highly affected by the Black Lords. She committed suicide in April of 1987. None of the followers put blame on Terry. They said this must all be Robin. In 1988... Don Hoffman was found dead of a drug overdose after majorly falling out of favor with the group. In 1990, the Dallas District Attorney's office started to look into it. Assistant District Attorney Cecil Emerson was looking into the case, but advised that it'd be very difficult to legally prove mind control as a factor in any of these deaths. Terry denied any wrongdoing on behalf of herself and consciousness development. After four years of investigating, nothing could be solidly held back to Terry for the deaths. In 1991, however, she had filed for bankruptcy, and this was the only crime that she ended up being charged for, so she was supposed to spend 16 months in prison for 10 counts of bankruptcy fraud. She served 12 months. 12. Terry married Roger Keenley, changed her name to Terry Leah Keenly, and tried to stay off the radar. She ended up starting a website on financial advice and wrote a financial book. I looked. The book is out of print, but it is still available through third-party vendors on Amazon. Terry Lee died on of all dates, October 2015. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Like I said, there's a lot of sources, including D Magazine from Dallas, uh, Texas Monthly, as always, and a lot of other things and podcasts. There's also a really good episode on the Colts podcast. Please know to take a lot of this research with a grain of salt because there are very conflicting reports. I tried to keep it as short and sweet as possible and give you just the facts, ma'am. But you know how that goes. Every once in a while, somebody comes up with a theory that sounds perfect and we immediately jump and believe it. Regardless, thank you for listening. We hope you have an amazing week. If you want to find us on social media, we are at uh, all over Texasling. For crazy on Facebook, uh slang TX on Twitter. I am on Instagram at Texas Slang for Crazy. Um, and you can email me at tx slangforcrazy at gmail.com. Have a fantastic week.